Hello, and welcome to Forward Unto Quan, where we talk about the new Paramount Plus series, Halo. I'm Ty Monaghan, your host, and this is our first episode, An Unnatural Formation. I am joined today by Megan Watt, a video game writer. Hi, Megan. Hi. And Cicero Stubby Stan. Hi, Cicero. Hey, Ty. Cicero is the host of the Discovery Debrief podcast as well as a number of other podcasts you can find him at stubby stan uh and we are gathered here today to talk like i said about the paramount plus series halo let's talk real quick about kind of where we're all coming from on this one i'm a big halo fan that's that's why we're here um you know thinking about the show it sort of came to my attention that i i don't really remember or know what happened in the halo saga past the third game at all but i, I think i'm pretty pretty up on what was happening in those those games uh, i've read several halo books some some comic books um and i was really uh geeked to finally see the show make it uh you know make it to some kind of visual medium whether it be a show or movie or whatever i was just happy to see that finally um exist uh so uh yeah megan talk about your you know what or i should <laughs> talk about you know let's say your favorite game your favorite halo game and just sort of your you know maybe I mean, a memory halo was just so formative for us um i Obviously, the the first Halo that was uh, before then, I'd only owned uh, an N64, so I got Xbox to play Halo, mm-hmm. uh, and that was mind blowing to me. I think the only FPS I'd played was GoldenEye. So uh, this like the the level design with um what do they call it the bubble level design was just like huge to me because I mean you you step out and you see the ring and you see the it's just it's big and it's you can explore and um yeah and this then, was like 20 yeah. years ago now <laughs> just right. don't say that um, but I, no i'm just saying because I, I like i was playing the first game again on the master chief collection and, and i mean it's pretty stunning uh like yeah. we can get into that more later but go ahead i mean go it ahead. was just so i mean it was like the first space opera I'd seen. It, it was incredible. And then, you know, after that, playing on our land parties and playing these like friggin' three hour long blood gulch capture the flag matches over. Yeah, land. I think three is conservative. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I can't imagine playing a multiplayer match that goes over like 20 minutes now. So that's. That's yeah. insane to me. <laughs> there was this great thing there. So there was this uh, like after show on the Halo episode on Paramount Plus, and it was like called Declassified or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it had an interview with Pablo Schreiber, which I'll, I'll mention a couple times uh, throughout this episode and a couple other interesting things. But they had this wrestler on uh, and he talked for like five or ten minutes, like uh, Adam Cole or something, maybe. Maybe that's a yeah. hockey player. I don't know. Um, <laughs> some, some name similar to that. Uh, and he he mentioned like exactly like you did megan he was like oh yeah i remember my brother went over to this guy's house and he came back and he had played halo and then like we got into it and he mentioned specifically land parties and drinking a bunch of pop and i thought that was oh, hilarious yeah. like that rang so true i was just like wow he's a real the like, mini fridge the- i was like what's this guy doing here i don't know who this guy is and then i was like okay well at least he's a legit halo fan <laughs> uh yeah. Awesome. Well, and then w- the same with you is that I read Fall of Reach, um, but I honestly my my ability to like retain knowledge from books at all is just thin at best. So I I just I remember the lore from the games, um, and yeah, that's definitely where I'm coming from. So there are definitely a few surprises in the show that 
wouldn't be surprises to book fans, but were surprises to me. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, and I should mention, I've pl- I have played all the games, but I have not yet played Halo Infinite because I'm crabby about them. <clears throat> you know, not including uh, the cooperative campaign. That's uh, that's Megan's uh, <laughs> lovely daughter there in the background offering her contributions about her <laughs> Halo experiences. Right. right. Well, she. I mean, she agrees with you, Ty. Right. She's waiting also for the co-op. Well, she knows it's ridiculous to have a Halo right. game without a cooperative campaign. Uh, Cicero, how about you talk a little bit about your experience and love for the franchise? So, uh, l- like everyone else here, um, you know, Halo was formative in in terms of uh, like bringing bringing my love of video games the, with the way that I love playing video games, which is very much social. Um, and, and the way I think about Halo is even as a competitive game is, is really a social game. And, um, so, and, and in fact, the way that I play Halo has always been social has always been at least with one friend. Um, I went through all of the campaigns co-op. Uh, so I, like you, Ty, I have not played Halo Infinite yet because there's no co-op component yet and i and i'm afraid personally afraid that it that it will never come but that's you know that's a whole nother podcast um but i am uh let's see so but i've loved the love the games um the stories really started to get nonsensical after halo 3 halo 4 was going in kind of a different direction but then uh by the time we got to halo 5 that that like those two narratively were were so disparate it 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 really it really kind of changed everything uh so there didn't seem to be a real narrative thread uh going through the games anymore um outside of the narrative in the games the only thing that i've consumed has been any other video medium that they've they've released so uh, forward unto dawn uh which which uh has a ha- gets a nod from by the you know from the name of uh, our show i loved um, forward unto dawn I, yeah, I thought that I, was yeah I, I thought it was fantastic really i thought great. it was fantastic uh i'm like, I know an idiot, I'm like i knew that when you said forward unto quan that must be a play on something, something. <laughs> <laughs> i'm only just now getting that right, yeah, right. and uh yeah so um yeah i i love forward unto dawn i thought it was fantastic um the the other live action series with with mike coulter in it um that wound up playing luke cage i saw bits and pieces of it, it i like didn't like night, that nightfall or something nightfall. like that yeah 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 that I wasn't good. i saw that when i was looking at halo stuff on imdb and i was like i don't remember that being a thing i was surprised yeah. how many you know video iterations of halo there had there, been already right so that was available via waypoint but not anywhere else. And then there were some animated ones. There were some animated like shorts that were compiled into one thing. It was um, like Halo just, was like so exhausting for a while there, right? Like right. They, they only like it was like they, it was like around the time Halo 4 was coming out. They tried to make this whole like they wanted your whole life to be like yeah. 10% Halo content. Right. And it was just right. like, come on. <laughs> well, I think I 
mean, didn't they go from saying, you know, we're not going to make another Halo game, and then, it, you know, it felt like they wanted to come out and say, no, 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 Halo is still very relevant and very cool. Here is everything that you can well, expect. Well, I think that coincided with the acquisition by Microsoft. Like, the, yeah. yeah, the switch from Bungie Bungie. to Microsoft yeah. and 343, yeah, I think, right? Yeah, I think and what happened was, was after 3, um, Bungie was like, or maybe it was Reach, uh, Bungie was like, all right, I'm, I'm, we're done. You know, we're done with this Halo thing. Like, we've done enough, right? We've done all we can do. Um, and and Microsoft was like, oh, we're not done making money oh, off of this right. franchise. <laughs> and, you can uh, say no to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that I think th- that was where. So when the people that were in charge of Halo said we were done making Halo, they weren't lying. Um, it just they just got new people, and so well, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. were going to go make Destiny for the next fifteen years, right? Um, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, so all together, you know, we have uh, our our panel here. We've got uh, over sixty years 60 of Halo years playing of experience, Halo experience combined. It's <laughs> uh, fun to say, um, and so you know, we're not uh, we're not insiders and we're not experts, but uh, we've got this podcast here to get together and talk about the latest episode of the streaming Paramount Plus show Halo. Uh, today's episode of Forward Under Quan, an unnatural formation, is about the series premiere of Halo contact uh season one episode one there will of course be plenty of spoilers in this episode so if you have not watched contact yet and you care about spoilers consider your acknowledgement light winked please go watch the episode before listening further um so cicero and megan uh as we were just talking a little bit about after uh at least a decade of kind of theatrical quality live action halo shorts and movies and teasers and things like that we finally have a full-fledged thing that is just called halo on a major streaming platform i really didn't have any expectations for the show i kind of didn't bother setting any i knew i was going to watch it no matter what i've always that's part of why i've been confused why this took so long is i always felt like they could release something called halo in a theater and they would make hundreds of millions of dollars no matter what the content of that thing was just based on the fandom um so uh i was definitely gonna watch it no matter what didn't really like i said have any expectations but i was pretty blown away i i loved the show i will just say um within the first few minutes we got elites running their energy swords through humans uh we got some first person view spartan combat um and then even as the show went on we got you know mainstay characters like halsey um and the keys family uh which we'll talk a little bit more about and even a nefarious oni admiral uh we haven't seen any grunts yet though uh there's still a lot to see so just what are your first impressions of the series based on what we saw and what did you think of the look of master chief which they obviously you know knew was a big deal that they needed to make uh iconic cicero yeah i i i love the show i loved uh the first episode i thought it was fantastic um yeah we've we've been waiting ever since uh steven spielberg came on to the E3 Microsoft presser stage and was like, I love Halo. I'm making a Halo series. Um, seven, eight, ten years ago, uh, I've been waiting and and you know ready and waiting for it. But uh, it's not the last I'm, time I'll say it. Thanks for nothing, Spielberg. Right. <laughs> I am. I, you know what? I'm happy that they took the time to really think about it. And what I love about this series, and, and in fact, what I said at the end of this series was, 
at the end of the episode was that anyone who loves to play Halo will probably hate this game, right? Like if, or <laughs> hate this movie, right? Hate this show, right? Like if, if they just love playing Halo and that's what they're all about and they're expecting to see their gameplay translated into some kind of narrative, um, they, they were not going to, to like what they got. Um, and I think the show did a, a great job of setting itself up by saying, hey, look, this is for people that know Halo exists, are fans of the franchise, but we've got the toys, right? Like we've got the, you know, they just gave us the toys from the toy box. They gave us the, like, the, the, like, the, uh, the dictionary about, what each of these characters are and we, and, and their kind of their histories. And then they said, go ahead and make a story with these toys. And I love that about it. Right. They, this is their interpretation of halo as opposed to this is their interpretation of the video game. Uh, and, um, that's what's been fantastic for me. And that's what I'm really excited about seeing going forward. And yeah, I don't they think they that, would have been able to do that years ago. Yeah, totally. And I, we should say they call that the silver timeline that the show exists in. I've started calling the game timeline the blue timeline just because it's mm-hmm. the, the blue team. Um, but uh, yeah, Megan, your reactions to the, to the episode? Yeah. Uh, first, yeah, I was blown away by seeing... Uh, I mean, I, I felt really bad when the Elite Sword came out, and I was just like, yeah, even though it was slicing apart innocent people that I'm supposed to be sad for, I was just really excited. Yeah, one I of them even like, gave a whoop, whoop, whoop. was yelling at the screen to pick up a stupid plasma rifle because you weren't going to break through their shields that way. Like, I, it was just, it was so much the game that I got, I, all of my, like, high school, you know, love of Halo just you know, uh, came out, uh, in a way that I didn't actually, I didn't totally expect, you know, I was just going to, I was like, yeah, right. They're going to look a little bit stupid or obviously a bit uncanny because, you know, when they step through the smoke and I'm just cheering and, you know, and and master (laughs) chief lands and it's just the, you know, I, that was awesome to me. Um, the funny thing though, is I actually have that opposite reaction than you Cicero, where I, because they because they didn't go straight for the game fans and they don't seem to go straight for non-game fans i'm not exactly sure who the show is for it Mm. it seems like there's a lot of compromise in a way that makes me a bit nervous on who's actually going to watch this thing um because you know you have uh when i think about the tv shows the game tv shows that are out now like um well, Witcher obviously is based on the book series, but you can say, you know, game series. Right. Um, and Castlevania and now Arcane um, shows that are really able to set themselves apart from their their video game uh, basis. And then when I see Halo, I see, at, at this point at least, a video game TV show uh, that did it absolutely obviously had to compromise to become a tv show um but yeah i guess i'm not exactly sure what their direction is at this point 
I think for me, just hearing you say that, like you have to split up, you have to think about the lore of the games and then the lore of the like expanded universe. And I guess I was like actually totally shocked watching through it, how much it seemed like the silver timeline tracked with what I already knew about the existing blue timeline or whatever. Right. But so much of that was because of like having read a few books and all this stuff with, you know, like the tension between Halsey and the ONI Admiral uh, and things like that are so like dead on to me, but that stuff doesn't appear really in the games, uh, you know? And so we haven't, I, I think in a sense, the story of the show hasn't gotten to the stuff that the games are about yet. I thought they did a really, really good job in the show of helping viewers understand actually the UNSC and Spartans are primarily like the Spartans were actually made to fight humans, to fight this insurrection and the yeah, aliens. Which to me kinda... was not what I expected. Cause I just know them as this, you know, covenant hero, you know, anti-covenant hero force. Sure. Uh, I had no idea that they were star Wars empire before that. Uh, <laughs> and so when they're, you know, he gets the order to assassinate, I'm like what in the, you know, and I immediately go to Reddit, like, am I an idiot? Yeah, he's only like, like seven digits off from order 76. Article 72 or 73. Article 72 is, yeah. Execute Article 72. Right, yes. Um, Kill the insurgents. But like, yeah. yeah, I thought they did a really good job of like setting up like, they, you know, but you got that from the show. Right. And I liked that like Scottish, like Highlander warrior guy who, who <laughs> yes. had the Sean Bean role of like seeming really cool and then dying right away. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Um, and that but, poor kid that, you know, was shaking yeah. in his boots. You're like, yeah. Oh, he he's was- going to. It's gonna yeah. rise. <laughs> wow! When the effect yeah. of these covenants weapons on like an unarmored human, holy cow! Oh yes. my gosh! Well, yeah, they open that door, I, I you know, and and all those kids are there. It's just, oh, how are they gonna get out? I'm like they're not. not there's they're not no way. They're, they're yeah. That was. Yeah. I, I was actually. I was pretty surprised that they just went ahead and did it. Uh, you know, only one survivor. And I mean, that was, that was dark, darker than I anticipated. And I love dark stuff. So, you know, that was exciting. I mean, they were out in the woods, like finding recreational drugs. And then like the one girl's head exploded. Oh my God. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it wasn't even, it wasn't even like the one that was closest to the covenant. It was the one she was holding and like yeah, trying just... to drag away. Uh, that was, yeah, that was spectacular. I, I love the brutality in this show. I love the gore. I love the fact that they, you know, that that's one thing that, uh, you know, peek behind the curtains. Um, Ty and I both worked at a, a video game retailer where you would stop for games and um what, what do you what do you mean you and ty right <laughs> about my oh, oh, yeah, that's right that's right megan <laughs> megan as well you and i Just never worked together right? yeah, yeah, no, you, yeah you and i actually never worked together but yeah so the three of us all worked for a uh, company where you would stop for games and um one thing that was always very weird was this game was Halo, the Halo series was an M rated game. It was a mature rated game. And when they had accessories, we couldn't sell those accessories to minors. I forgot about that. Be- that was horrible. Because right, because the the game itself was rated was rated M. But the funny thing about that was how anachronistic that M rating felt 
um, for that series because while it was a series about violence, it didn't feel like it was mature, right? Like it, it always felt like, oh yeah, sure, maybe you know, maybe a teenager needs to understand these concepts of war and what have you. But there weren't, you know, there wasn't dismemberment. You never saw human style blood, um, so y- you never really associated the Halo series with the brutality that we got in the opening moments of this yeah. game. That's Just actually the- how I was able to convince my parents to buy me the first Halo was I said, there's not actual human red blood. There's just alien blue blood. Well, like, it depends fine. on how you, well, what you mean. The way that you're supposed to be playing it, not the way that. And, and shout out to Bungie because I, I really feel like they probably could have gotten a T rating if they would have just made it so you couldn't shoot your teammates. But like, <laughs> that's not the choice they made, and I'm forever grateful. Oh, the number of times I, I accidentally war like ran over my team in a warthog. I I thought I was over it, Sorry, and then, uh, actually two days ago I was playing Master Chief Collection, and in the Truth and Reconciliation, I I got it on with some Marines. I popped two of them in the head with my sniper rifle, and then we had a big old battle royale, and it was awesome. <laughs> like I was like, man, I love this game. Oh, um, man, they're not friendlies if they attack the chief. Oh God, yeah, that was. <laughs> that was a fantastic i loved let, yeah let's get back to the show and talk a yeah. little bit about uh let, well let's stick with the chief uh the chief himself for a minute so in the games the chief is totally this blank slate right like i think he takes his helmet off repeatedly but we don't really see his face and it's not i don't think it's supposed to be a big deal but i, I think i've even heard some of the game creators talk about like look the idea is just he's you he's the player right so we don't really want to give him too much we want to like basically give you a blank slate that you can project yourself onto as the player um and you know primarily his personality in the games i would say i think it's fair to say is revealed through his interactions with cortana um obviously we haven't gotten that yet in the show but the show is just a completely different medium and in that declassified uh post episode show i mentioned the actor who plays the master chief pablo schreiber um talks about that talks about the huge difference between you know playing this character on a television series um and versus like who he is in the game um and so megan you especially as somebody who has written characters in video games i'm really interested in your perspective on how you feel about just how the show handled this transition from a video game medium to a tv medium and how you feel about that character of the master chief so far well yeah uh, I mean, the, the Master Chief in the video game series is such a perfect protagonist. I, I am not a fan of silent protagonists uh, in general, but I, they were still able to master the <laughs> master the, the blank slate uh, without making him too blank. You know, he didn't have the, the cheeky doom lines, you know, he, but he did have a little bit of a cheek now and then, but nothing that actually... Um, got too much in the way of your own gameplay um it i don't know he, he was the perfect character to me so i was definitely wondering how they were going to do that for tv because a stoic badass um doesn't generally work as a protagonist in tv unless he has somebody to bounce off of um and unless they're making it a bit of comic relief that's generally where the stoic um killer comes in as you know the everyone says oh how's your day and he's not able to answer you know um so at first i I was a bit um cautious i suppose because you know he's walking through the the um after the when he's walking through the cave formation and i he's just 
uh, heavily breathing and, you know, and I'm waiting for any level of character to shine through. And I was worried that it wouldn't. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and so I have to say, I'm really happy that he took off his helmet in this episode. Some people were saying he should wait, um, which I think if they waited, it would make it seem like it's a big deal for him to take off his helmet. It's not. Right. Like you said, he takes off his helmet all the time. We just don't see his face because he's a blank avatar for us. And they introduce, uh, you know, he takes off his helmet and there's Pablo and he says this awesome line of, you'll have to aim up here. And I just thought, uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, it, it was just very, um, right. He's taking his helmet off explicitly in the context of like making himself physically vulnerable. Like it's yeah. not a symbol, right? It's like, you can right. shoot me in the head now and I'll die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they're doing a really good job of portraying him as, um, as more human as, uh, I, don't know, I, I could get into that part as well of like right. it's a bit and, and weird to... oh, oh yeah no, go, go ahead. ahead no please 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 oh just it's a bit weird to me when you know dr halsey's talking about his you know neurosynapses not listening to orders and everything it's like i never remember him being a weird unfeeling robot that just takes orders that's the cool right. part about john is that he's always had that kind of emotional core that uh that informs his decisions um so it's kind of weird in the show that they have they establish that, but then he immediately turns on that. So we don't actually get to see the first part. We only get to see the second part. If that makes sense, like so I just, we, yeah, yeah. So we 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 don't get to see the first part, but we get to hear about the first part when he's having the conversation with Quan when Quan yeah. is talking to him about the first time they met, right? Yeah, and in in this where where. Chief comes down, his orders are changed from killing the insurrection leader to killing all of the insurrectionists that happen to be at this meeting. And uh and you know, and what we've what we heard at that point was Chief, as a result, I, I'm assuming, as a result of him uh having that moment in the cave where he's getting information he's he's finally receiving information that's counter to anything that he's thought previously to be the truth um and now is also questioning his orders yeah. based well, on the, the logic and the not, perspective of this other person yeah i'm just i'm not sure how i feel about that because again i uh, in in the established lore that we know he doesn't have his memories erased and like i said it's like that so, uh, so that is as a result of, and, and I've never read the books, but as a result of reading or watching other shows, uh, particularly there was an anime. I can't remember what the anime was, but it was, it was a like bunch the Animatrix of, kind of thing that they, yeah, yeah, they did exactly. Halo, yeah. Right. And, uh, Halo Legends. Yes. And, um, there was a, a, an excellent podcast series that came out before between halo four and five called hunt the truth um and and it was like a a radio drama done in in podcast form talking about master chief and um in there they talk about his memories being obscured from his 
you know, like his childhood being obscured from his memory and, and like, you know, like there, there was almost like a stormtrooper selection process with, with the, like the Spartans. Yeah. Um, I always but, pictured them as being yeah. kind of detached from their memories, but I guess I don't really remember the, the details. But yeah, I think well, that's what I kind think, of what I thought is like he it, it's it was more like put in the back of his memory more than it was sure. completely, like completely erased, right. you know, and through the, the brainwashing of the program, uh, it's just become something that's not right. uh, incredibly mm-hmm. important to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, th- I think the point of like the th- the reason that I said that Halo game player fans are going to hate this series is the thing that you were talking about, uh, Megan, which is that this chief is seemingly going to be more human, right? They're going to humanize him in a, in, you know, in, in very real ways to make him more relatable to the viewer. And I think that's the thing that's really going to put, that's going to put off uh, some Halo fans because, they just want, like they just want him to be this avatar for them. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, um, with, yeah, he can't yeah, do that just, in the TV right, show. Right, he can't I mean, be he can't, that. Right, yeah, just march through being a badass and, and right. not have any emotional right. attachment. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the avatar is is like your vessel for interactivity. But I if you're not interacting with it, you know, like what's yeah. the point? my main beef, I suppose, isn't that they're making him human; it's how they're making him human, which mm. um, Ty, I. This is a giant rant of mine. If if you want me to go into this, the Mandalorian vibes that we've been talking about. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's sort of inescapable, right? Like when you're watching this show, there are so many elements, not just yes. like like my you know my wife Julia. We were watching Halo together, and she the way she put it, she's like, "Oh wow, like an armor clad hero is asked to kill a child, and it forces them to reexamine their whole way of life." And uh, you know, and then I sort of picked up the thought, and I was like, "Yeah, and maybe not betray his employers, but maybe join up in a different battle that is sort of above and and." different than what his employers wanted to be doing i mean it's just right. yeah it's crazy so by all means yeah take us there megan okay um yeah i i always have a lot to say when it comes to tropes because uh there are people who understand why the trope is there and people understand that the trope is there and go ahead right. and just do it not knowing exactly what it's there for Ooh, okay. and the the um the unfeeling killer is forced on a journey with like a heartful innocent um is is obviously a very common trope and i can't say i dislike it because uh one of my favorite movies is leon or the professional which is exactly that um but for me what makes that trope interesting is when you don't focus on the killer learning to feel angle which we're obviously going to get um so much as the innocent learning to kill angle it's the it's the exchange in their relationship that is interesting to me. Uh, and a lot of people who do this trope end up doing it just one-sided, where the innocent is there to affect the hero, and then that's it. Um, and I think if it's done especially right, um, you make this cold, unfeeling killer have to compromise his ideals to not just like protect the innocent physically, but also emotionally, mentally, because the more the innocent watches the killer, the more they end up changing and then the killer has to reconcile with their own like um god of war did this so well um which is this exact trope but you have um kratos who needs his son to man up and then 
his son mans up maybe a little too much. <laughs> and then they have to both reconcile with their emotions and their past and come together to like understand their softer sides. Um, so anyway, that's all to say that I'm a little nervous that this is going to be more of the predictable execution we expect from the trope. Um, but maybe I'm just cynical. I just, I would like to see Quan change as much as he is going to change. And I don't, I obviously the, the focus is going to be on him because he's the hero. But I think if they're going to make that relationship, the core of the show, which I believe they're going to, um, then and I just want to see a little bit more of that. But again, like I'm doing this all off just the pilot. So this is just, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, and I guess we'll get to uh, speculation for what the series is later on. But I think that um, the the trope is there, but Quan's not quite as innocent as the innocents are in that trope normally. Right. She has, uh, she had already kind of, said that she was on her Luke Skywalker path, right. Of getting away, blowing, blowing yeah. away from the sand castle. Um, and <laughs> when we met her, um, but, but on top of that, uh, she was, she was ready and willing to pick up arms to help defend her family. Um, when these things were happening, it wasn't that she was completely kind of running scared. Um, she was yeah. definitely running to fight. And so there is fight in her when we when when she is talking to the uh, the young uh, uh, Kelsey. What it was there, the, Miranda. Uh, yeah, uh, keys. The keys. Yeah, when she's yeah, talking that was to Miranda, awesome. yeah. right? Like she she bosses up, right? And and so like there is already a lot of fight in her, and the world that she lives in is kind of ruthless. So normally the the innocent is kind of naive to the way the world works and and learns through the you know the unfeeling killer not only how the world works but how to take over the world um but i think i think um in this case quan kind of knows how the world works and operates maybe a little bit better than chief does well and that's interesting because the part that she doesn't understand is the Covenant War. Right. Because she right. all she's seen is the UNSC and the Spartans as enemies. So yes. um, there's obviously, or there has to be growth in that direction. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, so I think what's coming, though, is an extra dynamic into, into that trope that's really going to kind of change... They're going to add another layer to it that uh, will make it a little bit different. Going yeah, forward. no, that's that, and that's good to hear because I was just like, ah, boo, Mandalorian and throwing stuff at the TV. So I'm right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a lot better to me. Yeah, I felt like the you know they had to be. I guess they started shooting Halo or producing it or whatever uh, at least two years ago. Um, sure. And so you have to imagine it was, you know, in the script pre-production, whatever phases, like there had to be a moment where they're like, damn it, with the Mandalorian, right? Like they, <laughs> like they've totally constrained, like there's only so much you can do with this helmet scene now, right? You have to kind of make it clear, like, 
it's sort of a, it's important to him because it's a helmet and it's got all his important stuff in it but it's not like a code it's not like a creed he's like a guy right. in a suit you know what i mean you think they put in that line of this is where my hut is just to i do i i think that's exact because you're wondering right like you you're wondering how big of a deal are they going to make about this helmet i mean i feel like you it's have to be religious it's just my hut right. So do you guys think, I want to revisit the chief thing for just one quick second. Do you guys think we're going to get extensive flashbacks to the chief's um, recruitment or conscription or whatever training uh, surgical alterations, which he obviously has, he's not as hulking as I would expect him to be based on the book, but they show in the intro, he's got scarring all over his body and stuff like that um, from like probably bone augmentation. And are you asking um, when Pablo's going to take off his shirt? I'm right. well. No, I'm just wondering: Are we going to get flashbacks to them? You know, th- that's the thing I remember vividly. I don't know which book it is, but I think that goes that would go a long way towards what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is like: Are these unfeeling machine-like super soldiers, or are these like hyper competent, hyper patriotic, right? Like very intelligent, right. thinking, emotional individuals. I think they're trying to thread an interesting needle there, right? With the way we've already seen, they have this intense loyalty to each other and to Halsey. I love how Silver Team is just, just immediately. Yep. Were you guys team, totally geeked about that scene where the, oh, like, yeah, the three yeah. of them are walking down the hallway and she's, yeah. it, they do it where she's in a voiceover first and then right. the camera catches right. up and she's right. just like, if you, you know, she's like, I've I am superseded those. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. I was into that. Was yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Are, does really that cool. mean that we're going to attack friendlies? If they attack the chief, then they're not friendlies. And <laughs> mom, right? How <laughs> low key were those Spartans about fulfilling those orders? They just yes. walk up. They stand yep. next to the Marines. They have the scene yep. where the Marines are pointing look. their guns and they look over and the Marines right. are like, okay, they're cool. And they go right. back to it, and then and then he just the one dude puts his hand up and he waves them forward, and they yep. take like two steps forward, and that's it. Like it's it's over, you know. That was, yeah. Like, yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and well, the, what I love about that scene is the ambiguity of it because yes. they've got their re- they've got their weapons at the ready, but nobody knows what they're right. at the ready for or who. Right. The assumption, obviously, for the rest of the Marines is that they're at the ready for chief busting through the door once once everything is breached. Yeah. But, that one Marine but, looks a little bit sketched out about what's right. going to happen, though. <laughs> I thought this episode did a good job of, of telling you the story through action, right? There's there's yes. moments in that first encounter, like where the chief and I think the uh, Quan uh, patriarch guy, like they nod right. at each yeah. other, sort yes. of. Yes, yes. Such a good, like I said, such good shorthand General for establishing yes. that history of the UNSC and the, right. the insurrectionists and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then I thought, same here with the relationship between the spartans and the soldiers in this right. it tells you so much about like the, the spartans place in the unsc how they're viewed by the other soldiers like they're not really seen as people right they're not like they're brothers in arms like they're these scary kind of yeah they're these other guys right so they, well so i i do think that to your to your question about whether or not we'll get that montage episode is or 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 like that background, I think there will be a montage episode because not only do we have the silver team, but we do know that uh, Bokeem Woodbine, who's a who's a favorite, one of the, those that guy actors for me, um, is going to be playing a Spartan as well uh, that I think will play kind of like the foil to Master Chief okay. in, in future episodes. So I, I think at that point, 
we're going to get the the kind of episode where he where where Chief is explaining to Quan what the Spartans really are. And we'll kind of get that like Spartans in boot camp, you know, super, super cut montage episode where they're all kind of together becoming Spartans and then getting the armor. Yeah, that would be awesome. I would would really like to see more of that. Learning that relationship. So Uh, let's I want to do a quick lightning round with you guys. There are some things that are pretty clear that we are going to see at some point, or I think are pretty high likelihood that we're going to see in this series at some point. Uh, I believe there are supposed to be nine episodes in the season. Um, So do you guys think and when we will see uh, some grunts. I think we're going to see grunts starting in like episode like two. I think grunts are going to show up very soon. Megan, what do you mm. think? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't show up in one. Uh, I don't just because the elites don't normally show up without grunts. Um, but I, I also yeah. understand that grunts are pretty comic reliefy, so maybe putting them in that scene would have exactly been what the, I was wondering. The right. tone would have been kind of off. So yeah, no, I do think we'll probably see them in two. And you think they when they show, show up, up, they're going to be early. they're going to be used as kind of comic relief? I hope. <laughs> I just there's in I the mean, books. There's some great side stories with the grunts that make you really yeah. empathize with them. Uh, yeah, Cicero, what do you think? I I think that we're not going to see them until maybe, yeah, three or four. Um, I think that we're going to kind of establish who the UNC is. Um, and uh, we're also going to establish Chief and Quan's relationship and the relationship between him and Silver Team. And then we're going to get back to more Covenant and and like the the mixing of the covenant and chief yeah i think at some point but we, we don't to... necessarily have to see them in a fight it could be that's true uh, that's you know, true because they already, already had the scene with the, the prophet yeah. right yeah, exactly. yeah yeah all right do we see do we see a tank battle and a bonus question are marines riding on the side treads of those tanks a hundred percent hundred percent i think that's that. like how the season episode I eight think we get that yeah exactly episode eight for me yeah, yeah. Like I think I think they'll I think one thing that Game of Thrones I think Game of Thrones did a lot of things right. But one thing that Game of Thrones did incredibly well was putting that big like putting the money in the penta ultimate episode of the season, you know, where they have that huge battle um almost every season where you're like, holy crap. Like I, I would, I think that uh, these guys would be wise yeah. to do. We got to get a big one, thing. right? A big team yeah. battle. Megan, yeah. do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> so on the more, that. Yeah. to more substantive matters, are we going to see the flood this season? <sighs> I don't know if we'll ever see the flood in this series. Because the Halo game does an interesting thing, like just like you guys were talking about with this episode, where it, it it tries to insist on this big backstory and then throw in a twist. But to us, it's like eh, it's all one game, right? You could have just made right. the game about the flood from the get go; would have been the same same to us. Um, I I'm really really curious if they're going to get into that at all, or whether this is going to be. It seems like maybe this Maki person who's hanging out with the Covenant is yeah. going to be the the weird twist wrench in the gears that might might let us leave the flood until a later season. Well, that's funny. I didn't even think about the flood until you just said that. Um, it's because, so not I mean, this... what my mind thinks of when I think no. of Halo, but it actually is the whole like point of 
Yeah, yeah. Right. Halo, but they've already done existence. so much about the forerunner technology, and yeah. that just seems which exists like to fight too, the flood. Yeah, right, I, right. But that sounds like a exactly like um, they'll talk about the forerunner uh, technology and why they're trying to get it, and then maybe it'll you know zoom out and show the flood you know starting to come or something you know at the very end. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I think it might be a lead up into because they've already said that they're going to do a season two, right? Right. Evan season two has yeah. been already been green. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I would be surprised to see them in this season because there's just already so much lore. I mean, we didn't even get the profits until what? Halo two. Or was it? The profits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think they have enough lore to cover for them to not do that. Well, I mean, hell, we haven't seen the, a halo yet. Right. So I think we can't see, we can't see the flood oh until gosh. we see a halo. I don't even that better be awesome by the way i can't right. i can't wait for that reveal right. i can't believe I, I didn't put that on my list of when are they going to get to halo but <laughs> right yeah i mean you can see the pieces in, in place for that uh the last thing i want to ask about uh do you think we will see it do you think uh a, f- a favorite character sergeant avery johnson will or make an appearance at all in this series um not only not only does he have to be there but I almost hope that they decide on. I know that uh, Johnson wasn't Keith David, and you know the arbiter was Keith David. But I, I want, I want Keith, Keith David, David needs to, to be there to be in. The, yeah, I yeah. think Keith David <laughs> needs to be on the show. So as yeah, as uh, Johnson, that would be. Awesome. I would love for each season the penultimate battle that we were just talking about. Right. For Sergeant Johnson to be featured, like whipping up some, tr- you know, every time, yes. like you know, like leading him into a pelican, you know, waving, and then and then like you see that pelican explode, and then he's back doing the same thing next season, like in the same right. spot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Megan, do you think we're gonna see? Yeah, I, I don't Sarge? know. I, I kind of well, actually don't. Like, think at this we will, point, but... I'm actually curious as how much we're going to end up seeing the UNSC and the Marines as it is, you know, because we already right. have uh, Master Chief and Quan kind of going off and then we have the the Covenant. Like we haven't, obviously we haven't had the opportunity to see the, the Marines without the context of Master Chief. And as they go, you know, are they planning on hunting them down? Like, I, I don't know in what way they're even going to necessarily be in the series. So it's kind of hard for me to predict whether Sarge will be there. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, we've obviously still got so much left to talk about. We could talk about it, uh, you know, on, on future episodes of the Halo show. Obviously, Cortana is going to be a thing we talk about a lot. Um, right. We did not get to talk about Cortana about Cortana at all. Also, uh, the whole the whole family affair we have going now, where Jacob uh, Miranda Keys appears to now be the daughter of Jacob Keys and Catherine Halsey. But Catherine Halsey calls her daughter Miranda Keys, and Miranda Keys calls her mother Catherine Halsey or Halsey, um, which you know, uh, so interesting. I want to get into it. Uh, we'll get into it at a later time. For now, um, I want to end with you know, like Megan mentioned, we did already get to see the city of high charity um, or, or whatever it's called, and we met the Prophet of Mercy. I was really. I, 
really glad that they brought the prophets in. I was really, they, they were just fascinating to look at. I was transfixed by his little throat waddles that were kind of hanging yes. down. Um, and I, I do hope that just like in Halo, I think two or three, uh, that Chief eventually gets a chance to, to hijack that chair and attach plasma grenades to it. Um, <laughs> be great to see. Uh, but we also met a human hanging out with the Covenant, uh, the character's name Maquis, and uh, Pablo Schreiber said that her work was one of the real joys of the season. Uh, I did not feel that way about the few seconds of performance that they had in in this episode, but uh, I'm willing to feel that way for the future. So let's take this opportunity, whether it's about uh, high charity or just kind of the flow of the series. Make let's give one more uh, you know prediction, and I'll let you uh, stubby stand. Start off with your stubnostications uh, about where this story is headed. Uh, first off, shout out to Charlie Murphy. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> just, uh, I, I, I think it's going to be awesome. Like it is crazy that they've got a human who didn't grow up on earth or, or something like, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but she gives me real Gaius Baltar vibes. Um, so I, like, I just want to, uh, see where she's, where she's going. Um, I think that you know some humans hurt her and and she's she's coming back uh i wonder what that ancient text is i i I bet you it's like the bible or like swiss family robinson like it's it's some goofy they didn't show the name i thought it was like a book of fairy tales or something like that oh no i well i watched it twice i don't remember but but i but i could i could have just missed it so um, yeah, like I, I just think it's it's a, a goofy a goofy book, um, but uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see where where Maki takes us. Yeah, yeah, I can't say exactly where it ended. Will where it will end up, but they're obviously going to cast parallels between Maki and John. That they right. are both taken as children, brainwashed into some level of dogma as tools for whatever group they're with and then you know because uh, i assume mckee is there to be like a human forerunner key um sure and- right, because they said uh they they sort of reported that like the that chief was able to activate the artifact the same way that she was so yeah that's so clearly what the there's gonna be some happen. i don't know kylo ray relationship thing going on except you know oh uh, right yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's an awesome prediction. I I totally share yours, but I am going to add a third person to that relationship, and that is Cortana. Uh, in this series, it seems like Cortana is based on human cloning in a way that was not true of the Cortana that we know. It's so interesting to me. We'll talk about Cortana later, but it's so interesting that Jen Taylor is the connection between the video game and the show world, but Cortana, the character, still seems to be totally different. But but you you picked that one character to be played by the same voice actor. It's super interesting. Sure. Um, but I do think you have not only John and Maki, but also Cortana now as these three entities who have been yeah, plucked out of their normal lives and used as these tools. And there, I think that core of the three of them will somehow link up, find the truth, um, and and get the UNSC to go engage in the giant battle with tanks and Marines riding on the side of tanks that we just and talked then, about. Uh-oh, flood. 
and then and then yeah and then uh you know zoom out uh show flood you know whatever ship approaching uh cut to season one credits yeah yeah all right guys uh well megan uh thank you so much cicero thank you so much this was uh just a real joy to talk about with you guys yeah totally forgot to mention this cave network does not seem to be a natural formation this cave is not a natural formation someone (laughs) built it which means it must it lead must somewhere. Lead somewhere. I, I did not know that had <laughs> apparently become a meme, but that no, has always been a, a favorite line in Halo One for me. I know exactly where it happens. Right, it's when you yeah. when you get the Marines off and of the first forerunner it's structure. It's like clearly carved with like pillars and lights. It's and she's practically like, got like a, it's got like yeah, it's got lights. Like it's practically right. got like a sign, you know. And she's like, I think this it must natural. lead somewhere. And you're like, I don't think I needed like a like a AI capable of running a battleship to tell me that I should go scope out. I'm so this happy game. they put that in. I just burst out laughing, at, and Ollie, my husband, was like, "Why is that funny?" Like, there I'm were some really to, cool Easter eggs. There's a big history to this. Master Chief's motion tracker didn't work when he was in the cave. Um, when he's on the ship, which is not a pelican, they said it's a condor, so bigger. Right. He his his motion tracker compass changes to indicate forward and aft of the ship instead of mm. like north south or whatever. Just really nice. Like I felt like uh, yeah, I didn't even touches, I, didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't even notice that, but that's yeah, that's cool. So I have no idea. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what the production relationship is between the people who made the game and the people who made the movie. In the credits, it says in association with three four three, but I, I think it's pretty clear. Like there's some some loving touches in there by people. There's at least really a fan somewhere. Games. Right. things right. in well well i mean definitely in sound design right so we we you know we get the the sound of the oh my the, god uh, yeah. shields depleting iconic we sound. Get the sound of yeah the yeah. sound of the 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 shields recharging um you know the sword the energy sword uh all of those all of those audio assets came directly from the games uh so we you know we know that that's there the thing that made me laugh at the beginning and this is my final thought was that um, here is a show that was is a show that was IP that was created by Bungie, um, bought by Microsoft, handed off to 343 for a show that's produced by Showtime in association with Steven Spielberg, um, but distributed on Paramount Plus. Right, this thing has been passed around all over the. I place. didn't know it was and an association. I, with, I, I guess I take back what I said earlier about. Right. Senor Spielbergo. Right. I, I think I think he had a hand in this. I thought I saw Amblin somewhere in the in you production. Know, I'm glad that I don't have to have any idea how any of that works and I can just turn on my horribly designed Paramount Plus app, oh, sit through <laughs> ninety seconds of a thirty second commercial and and watch the show. Uh, and I look forward to checking out the next episode when everything else on Paramount Plus comes out on Thursday. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Uh, great conversation. Uh, really looking forward to the rest of the show and to chatting about it with you all. So uh, for uh, Megan and Cicero, this is Ty Monaghan uh, signing off for Forward Unto Quan. Bye.